Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 88 of Speaking from the Heart. Today we have Martha Burrich joining us, and Martha is the founder of Martha Burrich Consulting, where she is a speaker, author, and mindset coach. She helps people overcome the thinking and behaviors that are keeping them from their relationships, success, and peace of mind that they want. She's been a contributing author to the Chicken Soup for the Soul cookbook, contributor to the book Practical Happiness by Pamela Gale Johnson, and Martha is a retired college professor of psychology and also a retired high school science and math teacher. All these things have enabled her to lead Alcoholics Anonymous meetings at the local jail where she volunteers at for women for over a year. I have to say that Martha's story in itself was something that was really interesting to me from why she jumped from one place to another. But at the same time, it really helped me to understand why some people are never settling for less. I think that we have this opportunity to get so little but give so much in our lives. And And it can be as simple as drawing a fish, which we talk about in this episode, to what are some of the biggest things that we can help others in their greatest time of need. I know for myself that as a coach and somebody that has gone through the gambit of a variety of different situations, sometimes just having that person to lean on, no matter what kind of jack of trade that they have, can create some of those best opportunities in our lives, not only to just see what's on the other side, Not just see what we can be able to do, but to see that there is hope. That on the other side, we have that opportunity to develop ourselves in some amazing ways. But with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Martha Burrich. Martha, thanks for sharing your heart with us today. Oh, I'm happy to. I have a very big heart and got a lot of heart-centered things to talk about. I am so excited about that because I have enjoyed with the numerous guests I've had on the show so far just talking about what is on people's hearts. That's really what this is all about. So thank you so much for being part of this. I really want to just start out with a simple question because, Martha, I already let the audience know your background, a little bit about what you do. I'm just curious, what got you into doing a coaching business? That's a good question. You know, I taught psychology for 10 years. And I taught high school for a long time. And then I retired. And when I retired, I kind of fell down. I got bored and I didn't feel useful. So I had to go through a lot of stuff and got a mentor and changed my life. And then I thought, you know what? I think maybe I have got a lot to share with people and to be able to help them the way that I was helped over my, well, really, I think I became depressed. I became like hopeless, you know, I'm 69 years old and I love getting up every day. I love every day, but there was a period of time there after I retired where I was like, well, what am I doing? So I lost my way. I love the fact though, that you kind of found something that doesn't make you feel depressed. It doesn't make you feel that way. Because I feel that, and it's funny, because my mom, she just turned 70 the last few months. Mm. And I know that for her and my dynamic with her, like, 
she kind of says the same things like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, there's things you can do. There's so many yeah. opportunities and you have so many different skills that you've learned. And, and I'm like at 36, I'm yeah. still thinking about all those things that I'm doing to kind of make that inspiration happen in mm -hmm. other people's lives. So I like that. Well, here, I'll lead it into this question that I have for you. So I noticed that before you went into coaching, and even before you were a college professor, I'm assuming you were also a science and math teacher. What inspired you to be in science and math to be able to teach other kids? Oh, you got to hear this story. <laughs> okay. So I had a degree and I did become, I was a college professor first for 10 years. Oh, and okay. then, then I became a, a science and math teacher. Well, anyway, so I answered an ad to be a teacher and it said, if you already have a degree, they were in distressed areas where they couldn't get teachers. They said, if you already have a degree of some kind, then you can teach for five years while you get your teaching degree. But you have to get your teaching degree in that time. And you would not believe how many people did not get their teaching degree in that time. But I did. <laughs> but anyway, so I became a teacher and it was for special education. My first day at school, now I don't know if this happens anymore, but for special education, it was a little bit laxer than others. And since we didn't have teaching degrees anyway, so at my first teacher's meeting, and they said, okay, who wants what subject? And I said, well, I like science. They said, okay, Birch, you're the science teacher. <laughs> <laughs> now I did go and get my degree in biology, so I'm legitimate. I became a legitimate science teacher. <laughs> Did you enjoy going through biology, even though you volunteered to be a science teacher? Oh, yeah. that's the thing. When I was in college, oh my goodness, Josh, I think it was my second semester. We had to find the amoeba in this, I don't know, glass of water or something, okay? And we had to find this amoeba in lab. I couldn't find the amoeba. I was crying my eyes out. I was like 19. I was crying. I'm stupid. I can't, you know. So I grew up a little bit and realized, well, you know what? Yesterday's not tomorrow. Yesterday's not even today. I like science. I'm good at science. The same thing with math. I didn't think I was good with math. I'm really good with math. I like math. You don't so, hear yeah. that nowadays anymore because I feel that people tend to go into some sort of the liberal arts curriculum, which I did. Mm -hmm. I went to school, got my political science communications degree, went on That's to get good. business administration, which does work with a little bit of math, obviously did a little bit of accounting, but even then I feel that it's really important to have that well-roundedness, especially mm -hmm. with having some of the home ec skills, like being able to challenge a checkbook, be able mm -hmm. to manage your finances, be able to invest. Like those are right. skills that I feel that we need to continuously do. And I think we definitely need more teachers, especially like you that are, are providing that. So I love that you did for that long period of time. Yeah. So since you were doing college professorship first, where did you teach at? And what was that experience like to teach with college students? Well, once you had a master's degree, you could be an adjunct college professor. So they wouldn't hire you to be the PhD person full-time, but they needed part-time teachers. So I had a master's degree. And what they would do at the time was, because it was cost-effective, they would hire somebody a part-timer to work full-time, but they'd get part-time pay. So anyway, this was at St. Louis Community College in St. Louis, Missouri. I also taught, I think I taught a class at University of Missouri, St. Louis. 
I taught a class at Maryville University, a couple of classes at Maryville University. That place was great. I had the greatest students. I taught a few classes there. But anyway, all my classes were so much fun. And they had me teaching child psychology and psychology and sociology. Oh my goodness, I just had such a good time. I had police officers in my classes because I taught most of my classes at night. And most of my students were older and I was older at the time. And it was just, I, I shouldn't say older. I was in my 40s. Is that older? Please. You know, well, now I'm almost I'm, 40, so I guess, yeah, I guess that, but we're going to say that's younger. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't give me that stuff, young man. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that old stuff because you know what? I'm 69 and I'm young. I feel great. And I see people, I, I see these videos. There's a woman who does gymnastics in her 90s. There's men on an island somewhere in their 80s, shimmying up the coconut tree, getting the coconuts. It is not our destiny, walker, wheelchair, nursing home. That is not our destiny. Our destiny is perfect health until we die. I like that philosophy because even my mom's like, you're never going to put me in a home. I don't want to go in a home. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, exactly. okay. We want exactly. you to live a full life. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, they say if you hit 50 with no heart problems, no heart disease, you can expect to live, a woman at least, to live to at least 92. Wow. I don't yeah. think I even knew that. Yeah. We've got a lot of life left in us. So to retire and decide that, okay, I think I'll watch TV now. Uh, no. I took piano lessons at 62. I started singing. And that that's another story too. Let me, I'll, all right, I'm going to tell you my piano story. Then I'll tell you my singing story. Okay. All right. Piano. This is before I retired. I drive by the music store in the town where I lived, and I'm like, you know what? I want to take piano. So I go in, and the piano teacher is an elementary school music teacher. So every week I come and I practice my piano. Now, this was August. I started in August, late November. Martha, I want you to play in the Christmas recital. Hmm. Josh, that's for children. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, okay, why not? <laughs> so the day of the recital comes, I play after the five-year-old and before the 10-year-old. And the kid was homeschooled. He was a phenom. The kid was fabulous. Wrote his own music. He was something. Well, and I played From This Moment by Shania Twain. Oh, I was so proud of myself. I did it perfectly. Okay, so afterwards, now who's there? Parents and grandparents. Afterwards, all these parents and grandparents are coming up to me, especially the grandparents. Oh, my goodness, you've inspired me. I thought I was too old to learn something new. I was going to take piano. I was going to take guitar. I was going to learn flower arranging. And I thought I was too old. But you've changed my mind. I'm going to do it now. I think that it's important to have people that no matter what age, just to be able to stand side by side, be a mentor for them. And it doesn't necessarily mean having a direct relationship like you and I do with coaching. It doesn't mean working one-on-one -on -one with groups of people. Sometimes it means just being a positive influence for the larger community as a whole so that they mm -hmm. feel inspired to do that. And I would not have the guts to learn singing because I'm a very low baritone voice and very deep. And that's just after the fifth grade. I was a nice little soprano when I turned into a very deep alto. But <laughs> I totally hear what you're saying, though, because it, I think it's always good to learn a new skill. And it doesn't matter what age you're at. It's the whole process of enjoying life. What will help me to enjoy life? Well, learning piano 
would help me enjoy life and develop my self-confidence. Now, the singing thing, I always thought I had a lousy voice, but there was this uh, restaurant, oh, it was about 30 minutes from my home, and every Sunday night, a bunch of guys would get together and just jam, you know, a bunch of old guys. And so I would go there and I said, hey, can I sing? Will you guys let me sing? And they said, yeah, what do you want to sing? So the next week I bring uh, Loretta Lynn, you ain't woman enough to steal my man. <laughs> just a fun song. So I would just sing and have fun. And then I even did Jolene. I mean, that's a hard song, Jolene, Dolly Parton. That's a very hard song to sing. But I would tell a story about Dolly Parton and how she got in a fight with Jolene and Jolene pulled the wig off Dolly's head. And it was just a good time. So I, I did that for a few months just to make life more interesting because you should always have something to look forward to. I think we all do need something to look forward yeah. to, even if it's just the small things, especially with the hobbies that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought in the beginning when I started this podcast, man, I think it's just going to be a short term thing. And I might only last three months, but it's mm -hmm. turned into something much more than that. I actually enjoy wow. doing it as a little wow. bit of a hobby myself, although it is through my business. So I think that we find things that we kind of stumble into and we actually really enjoy that. Speaking of things you enjoy, I want to talk about your business. Quite <laughs> perfect segue. Your business is called Marfa Burrich Consulting and Coaching. Mm -hmm. So can you give us in our audience a wide view of some of the things that you offer to people through this business that you have? Mm -hmm. Well, my program's called Yes, You Can, I Did, because I, I got kicked out of two colleges. But guess what? I came back, I got degrees, and I became a college professor. So failure is absolutely no big deal. And a lot of people seem to think if they're not perfect, they're not thin, they're not this, they're not that, they can't live a full, beautiful life. Well, that's really what my coaching is all about. Let's get you over the social anxiety. Let's get you over this, you're not perfect, so you can't have a great life. BS. It's, it's all our thoughts. It's all thinking. It's all thinking. And is there something that you see common with clients that you work with that they struggle with in terms of that thought process? Because I've yes. worked with even people since I've been open for over a year now where they kind of have that thought paralysis where mm -hmm. they're stuck in that one thought about themselves, but they're not mm -hmm. willing to entertain other thoughts from the outside, mm -hmm. changing that mm -hmm. perspective. Have you encountered that a lot? What are some of the things that you typically do to work with clients with that? Yeah, you know, the thinking is stuff like no matter what I do, it's not good enough. Whatever decision I make, it's not the right one. When's the other shoe going to drop? Oh, I'd really like to do that, but what? no, I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough for that. Yes, each person is different. So I work on individual things with each person. I don't have a set program because each person is different. And we work on what they think is most important to them to get over, whether it's social anxiety. Let's say they want a different job. Okay, well, let, let's see what we got to do to get you a new job. Where do you want to work? Who do you want to work for? Start thinking those kind of things. Do you want to start your own business? So we go into that way. Or they don't go to parties and things because they don't know what they're going to do because they're all by themselves. Let me give you this tip, Josh. If you go to a party alone, here's what you do. You make yourself the welcoming committee. So when someone comes in the door, you say, hey, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. And if you see anybody alone, you make yourself the official helper of anybody who doesn't have somebody to talk to. That's your job. You're going to scout. You're going to be the helper to make sure nobody feels alone. 
I would have loved to hear that advice at my first middle school dance where I was uh-huh. attached to the wall and being a wallflower, as we have all heard that expression. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish I would have just been rambunctious or more socially attuned enough to be able to mm-hmm. do that. But my audience knows this. I, I didn't even share this with you, Martha, but being autistic that I have been founding out later in life, I realized I understand why I didn't do that. I wasn't the welcoming committee. But now I'm like, let's do it. I wanted to try mm-hmm. this. So I actually literally wrote that down. Next time I'm at a networking event, I'm going to try it out. I'll report back to you. Okay. Great. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear it. And, and believe me, whenever you get out of yourself, things work out. As soon as you get out of yourself, it's just like speaking. When, when you're not thinking about how am I going to come across and, and you're thinking about what value can I give this audience? How can I help these people in this audience the most? Then stuff just comes out of your mouth. The right I- stuff. Yeah. And I feel that for me, for like the longest time, I was definitely struggling with that. I know people that I work with having that sort of social anxiety about themselves Mm -hmm. and just trying to get Mm -hmm. over that feeling because it's always something that lies dormant. And I think it's a little bit of anxiety. And I've had anxiety coaches Mm -hmm. on the show that have talked about how they work through that process. So Mm -hmm. when you actually are working with someone and you said this earlier that you kind of tailor this to certain individuals certain aspects of what they might be going through is there a system that you use do you ask them what their goals are can you like oh, walk us through what you do with them yeah. yeah yeah i ask them what their goals are why they haven't met them why haven't you met these goals how long have you had this goal is it something you really want on a scale of one to ten how bad do you want this goal because if they say a three what are we talking about? And 10 is really bad. And one, I barely want it at all. Then why are we talking about this goal? Or do you need to light a fire under your butt? Is this goal really important to you, but you think you can't have it? And that's why you said it's a three. I think that we often have to push them to be like, why are you want it as a three? It should be a 10 out of 10. You want to achieve this. And we have to get them to that framework because you're right. Sometimes it does take a matter of kicking them in the butt but it's also giving them actionable steps to be able to kick them in the butt to do the same right. thing. So, right. so Martha, I do want to talk about some of the books that you've written. And actually, I found this really interesting. That, And I remember reading these growing up. You were one of the contributing authors for the Chicken Soup for the Soul cookbook. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear what you wrote about that. And how can people actually access that, by the way? Is, it, is that still available that people can purchase that? It is. That? Cool. It's available at Amazon. Uh, you'll probably get a used copy. I'm not sure if there's any new ones are left, but yeah, it is available on Amazon. And the story I wrote, I was a substitute teacher at the time. And my story is called A Fish, A Fish, Lord, I Need a Fish. And I was substituting kindergarten art. So I taught the children how to draw fish. And you wouldn't believe how easy it is. And anyway, so one little five-year-old, he just started crying. I can't draw a fish. And my thought in my mind was, you know, here he is five years old and already can't is so strong in his mind. And so the thing is, Josh, when people are in distress like that, well, when anyone is in a I can't mode, you don't want to reinforce. So I didn't want to fawn all over him. Oh, now, honey, it's okay. You know, I said, well, sweetheart, I understand how you feel. And I suspect that maybe if you look around and see what your friends are doing, maybe you can see a way that you can make the fish. And then I left. And then I said, so you try to do your fish here and I'll talk to you later. And then I left and got busy. 
I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, the kid's yelling, I drew a fish, I drew a fish. Look at my fish. And I was like, whoa. And I went over and yes, he drew a fish in a garden. He drew a fish in a garden. Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't say you could draw a fish. I said, well, look at you. Look at you. You did it. You did it. So you never want to get into reinforcing, I can't, and I'm not good enough. You always want to encourage to the best way you can. And it worked. Drawing back to the fact that you were kind of, is it correct to say you're kicked out of college? Were you kicked out of college? Yeah. 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 They, threw so, me, they threw me out, baby. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did that for a period of time really hold you back too? Because it sounds like to me, just sharing that example, I kind of just drew a couple parallels here of, wow, I think I know why you're saying this to this child of, yeah, you can draw that fish. You can do what you can do. You are yeah. good enough to do that. I mean, yeah. was there sort of that self-talk happening when you were going through those experiences back then? Like, what kind of pushed you then to keep on moving forward? My whole thing, Josh, was social anxiety. I was so afraid of what other people thought of me, and I was never good enough. So, yes, and, and my mother was an indomitable figure. That means that she didn't quit. And she kind of taught me not to quit. So I was sitting around the house one day crying. I had a 1.0 GPA. That's a D. That's a D. Okay. And in, in high school, I, I had good grades in high school. And then I go to college and I, I was totally out of my element. I didn't know what was going on. Everything was so hard. Well, anyway, so I had a 1.0 GPA and I was crying to my mother and my mother said, you go march right back to that college and you ask them to let you back in. So I did. I drove right down to the college and I said, let me back in, talk to the dean. And he gave me a lot of BS and blah, 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 and you blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, okay. He goes, we're going to put you on probation for the next semester. You got to get all C's and above. And if you don't, okay, okay. Well, I, I had wised up and smartened up at that time. And I took like three classes, didn't overload myself and made sure I made A's and B's. I was going to say that it, it is something that we sometimes think, man, I, I just don't know if I got it. I don't know if I ha can get another opportunity. But sometimes we don't even ask for the opportunity. So I like that you just went back in and said, yeah. look, give me the shot. I know what I did wrong. Give me the shot. Yeah. And I think we often as society, when we do something wrong, we already have that preconceived judgment of somebody mm -hmm. saying we're never going to give them a shot. And I know and I have been a personal victim of that. And for all my listeners out there that might be listening to this and saying, hey, you're not going to be good enough, Josh. You can't come back to this. I say to you, listen to what Martha just shared as an example and give me a chance. Give everybody a chance because they might have realized what they had going on in their life that they've changed. So I love that story. I love the fact that you did come back and you finished what you did because obviously, as we talked about, it's been a rewarding career for you. Thanks. I know a fellow who was in jail for 10 years unjustly. I never met him personally. Anyway, he got out of jail, became an electrician, got all the certifications and stuff. Now he has his own business as an electrician and he's doing very well. And I go to the jail every Monday. I take an AA meeting into the jail and I talk to those women there and I say, when you get out of here, yes, it might be harder for you to get a job, but I'm going to tell you what you have to do. 
you look around for the job you really want. You take something you have to take in the meantime, but you look for the job you really want. And you write a letter to that manager or owner. And you say, I'll be the best employee you ever had. Give me a chance. And I say, you got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Mm. You have everything to gain. I think that we have all these things that we can do in our lives. And it's just a matter of being able to say, yes, you can. And I love that for people that are going through it and have already addressed what crimes they have done in the past, Mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. able to do a lot of good things. So that's right. I want to wrap up, Martha, with this book that has recently come out that you've written. It's called Good Parents Sense. Oh, yes. That one's due to be published. It's in second edit. So it should be out in about a month or so. Yeah. It is a book I wrote when my son was about 10. And I had taken parenting lessons with him when he was four and five. And I was very interested in that. And it also came out because I was teaching child psychology at the time, too. So I wrote the book. And yeah, it's a very short little book, about 60 pages that you can look at if you're at the grocery store and the kid misbehaves, what do you do? How do you get them to go to bed at night? Just little things to build their self-esteem and things you can do to get them to behave properly without you tearing your hair out all the time. Yes. And I don't have any children, but I know many of my listeners have children and they will certainly appreciate any sort of advice, any sort of tip whatsoever when it comes to that for sure. So thanks for writing that, and I can't wait for it to be released for sure, and for everybody to be able to have a copy of it for sure. Thanks. So one last question, Martha, before I give you an opportunity to just let everybody know how they can reach out to you. I've been reflecting on our conversation as we're going along here. You're 69 years old, and you have lived a very fulfilling life, and it isn't very often that I get to talk to guests that have had a rich life like yours of being able to help all kinds of different age populations, be able to educate and being able to help others in a variety of different ways. Out of all the things that you have done in your life, all the different things that you have experienced, and I know this is going to be a pretty tough question, but I think it's really rewarding for those that are kind of stuck in the mindset of, oh, I'm always stuck in what I have to do and what I was set out to be and destined to be, that's always what I'm going to be. That isn't necessarily true. You've really shared with us today how you can pivot and be able to create those best versions of ourselves. What would you say was the most rewarding experience in your entire life so far? And why was that the most rewarding experience? Raising my son, being a parent, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) He's 40. He's 40 now. It was a lot of fun. We could be almost be like brothers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So being a parent is a very, very important job and family is very important. So if you're a parent, you're the backbone of civilization. There's no such thing as just a mother, just a father. You are the person that shows your children what is possible. So true. And we need those sort of role models in this world. I've even Mm -hmm. listed with other episodes about the fatherless epidemic, having Mm -hmm. just a parent in general, having a role model when it counts the most, I think it's so important because we definitely need those spheres of influence for sure. Martha, thanks so much for this awesome conversation. I wanna give you the last few minutes to just pitch yourself. Please tell us how people can reach out to you if they're interested in being coached. 
maybe you want to reference even your books where they're available. I know you mentioned Amazon. Don't know if there were other places. But why don't you take the last few moments here and let our audience know how they can reach out to you. Thanks, Josh. Well, I do have a website, MarthaBurrich.com. And there's a link there if you'd like to book a session with me, a free talk. We could talk about what it is that you're interested in and if I can help you or not. I'm on LinkedIn, Martha Burrich. I'm on Facebook. You can always direct message me and check my posts and things. I'm pretty accessible. The books aren't published yet, so they'll be coming out, but hopefully a couple of months. Awesome. I'll put all that in the episode notes for my listeners in case you want to check that out and check out Martha and reach out to her. But I want to wrap up by saying, Martha, it is really fascinating to just talk to people that are in a retired state, although they're not retired. They'll just keep on learning and learning and going and going because I have known many people in my career that I still have with working with state government as I continue to build out the business of having that rich, fulfilled life and doing what they really desire to do, even at a wiser age, as I like to call it. Not an older age, but a wiser age, because we learned so much getting up to that point. And I think that what you shared today is just a prime example of what we can all do and what we can all create and is value in our lives. So for all those reasons and for the reasons in which you have been part of this show and just sharing this awesome testament to why it's important to keep on going, Martha. Thanks for being on Speaking from the Heart. It was really a privilege today to talk to you. Thanks, Josh. I really enjoyed it. You're a great interviewer. Again, I want to thank Martha so much for taking her time to discuss a variety of different topics, not only relating to her own life, but how she's helped others to overcome and even address some of those difficult topics that we have in our lives. Difficult topics. What do you mean by that, Josh? I have a perfect life, and I have a lot of different things that make it perfect. I have a wonderful person in my life that's supporting me. I got great kids. I have an awesome job. I have all these things working for me. What do you mean that there is this big struggle in life of hopelessness, neglect, depression, and just learning and learning and learning? I don't have that problem. Well, you might not be like a normal, typical person then if you are saying all those things about yourself. But I think that's what makes this episode special in so many different ways. Martha shared with us today a variety of different skills that she had learned to adapt to, not only from the things that she has been exposed to in her life, but just because of some of the most common, interesting things that she wanted to appeal herself to, it's allowed her to create not just those things that she wanted to do, not just those things that she could help society in doing, but she made herself her own welcoming committee, which I loved when we talked about that part of the interview, that we're not just necessarily talking about when you go to a networking event or you go into that social engagement in which you're talking to someone that you might not have talked to in a long time. We are literally talking about things that allow us to enjoy not only the things that we have in our lives, but the people that we get to enjoy on a day-to-day basis. You have to be able to help yourself enjoy life. So that really creates the question, what will you help yourself do in order to enjoy that best value life? There could be a lot of different things you can do. You could pick up a hobby. You could pick up a new skill. You could pick up a new subject. Martha did that so many different times that I lost count even during this episode. 
But I think that's what makes it beautiful in itself, is that we're able to have all these different kinds of paths to work through, and that we're able to create those opportunities no matter where they come from. But it's about feeling comfortable in doing that at the same time. Social anxiety is the number one thing that has paralyzed us. Glossophobia, which I've talked about in some of my public speaking episodes, can really hold us back from really portraying that thought, skill, or ability to eloquently speak about in front of an audience that allows us to develop who we are. But I think that is part of why we should continuously press the button in not only helping ourselves grow, not only helping ourselves become better, but allowing us to understand that we might have pitfalls that we have to navigate through. And even though those navigation errors do occur, we have to have good sense to not only help each other pick up those boots that might have fallen on the ground from our child that need to be put in the correct place, but we also need to be able to understand that when we learn to make mistakes, we can learn from those mistakes and get better, and we can grow from them. So it really also begs this second question. Do you help others in their biggest time of need? Do you have a good parent sense? And I'm not just talking about a good sense of the tips in which you can help yourselves to become a better parent, a better educator, a better role model for others. It doesn't mean just necessarily those things. It can just be the simple fact that you are intentionally trying that you're intentionally creating those best opportunities for others that makes the biggest impact. And I always talk about in my episodes the concept of an opportunity when it presents itself. Opportunities don't necessarily always come to those that wait. You have to seek them out. And I know plenty of people that have redeveloped and retrained themselves into completely different new paths as a result of some setbacks and other things that might have happened in their life. It doesn't make anybody a failure. And that's the biggest thing that I have to stress coming out of this episode is that no one is a failure. It's when you actually do fail, though, it's the opportunity that intersects of you not wanting to try and you also failing to realize that other people might want to help you in being a better person overall. So raising yourself to create those lessons for others to help others see what their true worth is means that you have to put a little bit of effort in yourself. And I think if anybody would have demonstrated that in any of my episodes, it's Martha. That's why, Martha, when you're listening to this, I want you to know something. You have definitely changed my perspective on the fact that sometimes we don't want to ever retire. We don't ever want to give up because that means that we're throwing in the towel of all the other possibilities that exist in life. I want to be more like Martha, and I think all of you should be a little bit more like Martha with the things that she has able to become and the things that she will continue to become even after she listens to this episode and you listen to this episode as well. Because we can learn to make new skills out of anything. I think that we can even help others that are going through those same patterns. And I had Cheryl Baker on the show not all that long ago that talked about that concept when she's helping new music teachers learn how to sing. Ah, singing. Something that Martha was also trying to. So I think that really 
helps us to understand this bigger question that we have to answer. What will you do to help yourself enjoy life? What will you do to help others in their biggest time of need? Are you going to work with them? Or are you going to keep on walking by, pretending that they don't even exist? There have been many times in my life in which I always thought that maybe people were just too busy for me. Even when I asked for that help, I knew that maybe deep down inside, I would be able to still form that human connection, to form that ability to create not only those relationships that I desperately wanted, not just those best opportunities, which I've always continuously talked about on this show, but also maybe building those blocks so that I can actually have that heartfelt connection with someone else. Sometimes that can be very hard. Sometimes that is very challenging for even people that are on a spectrum to even socially interact with others, which is why even have the vast amount of technology available to us to now call and talk to others isn't always the best medicine to take. So I think it really comes back to what you want to do in your life. Maybe you like to draw a fish. And maybe that fish can be an ocean of possibilities where you have the octopus, the squid, maybe even other sea creatures. I don't know what might have struck me about this sort of topic today, but I almost feel as if when I'm talking about this, I also want to get overwhelmed by the numerous amount of possibilities that exist as a result of having all these different opportunities that are existing in this episode. So let me break it down for you if you are feeling a little overwhelmed. This episode isn't just about the fact that we have all these different options available to us, that we're not just stuck in one thing, that we can do anything that we want, but the ocean that we can swim in is also a playground, a possibility. It's a cornucopia of different options to choose from. Now, that colorful imagery of all kinds of different objects, places, and opportunities appeal to you. Maybe then it's time to work with somebody to help you to understand what is possible. Not only to not just see what those developmental opportunities are, but maybe just have a sense of curiosity, which we've talked about on this show. It might help you, not only in your biggest time of need, to lean on, to be part of, to be appreciative in, but maybe just creating that little bit of a comfort for somebody else, whether it is just for you or for another individual, might help you with your lessons learned. Because we all have something that we can learn in this world. No matter how young or how old you are, no matter how wise or how unwise you are, and no matter how much you might struggle to get to that other side, you are always learning. And that is what is so important to keep that perspective, to keep that momentum going. Because as long as you can ask those two questions, what will help to enjoy what's in your life and what you can do to help others in their biggest time of need, I think that maybe you are on the right track of what Martha has done. And I think that maybe you can help others see what their true worth is. 
Because in this wild world of relationships, confidence, and determination, when they all converge, I think that it might turn into something either completely messy or something completely magical. And I think that it might be worth your time to just try it out and see what happens. Thanks for listening to episode number 88 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.